today on It's Time. A lot of times you think, well, their family hates me, but she likes me. It'll all be okay. It's really important that your in-laws like you because in-laws can become outlaws, and this is a real problem. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going through the book of Exodus. So turn there in your Bible and follow along with Pastor Mike. Well, blessings to you all and glad to see you today. It's good to see anybody today, I guess, as they close the Filer School District down because of COVID again and uh, all these things. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of funny living in the last days. You know, we talked about it for probably, if you've been a Christian, any length of time, you've always... Well, if you were asleep, you're not now. Okay. If you have your Bible, open them to the book of Exodus. We're going to be looking at chapter 18 today. No, you know, we're, we're living in a very different time right now than any other time. And um, we, we have uh, uh, in the medical field, of course, there's a, uh, anymore, we don't know who to believe. You hear the government say one thing, and then they change their mind, and then change their mind. And anybody here, if you've ever listened to um, Fauci, uh, changed his mind with the wind concerning masks and concerning social distancing and all these different things that are going on. And we look and see that the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 24 that there's going to be problems among nations. There's going to be perplexity among nations. And the word perplexity in the original language really means problems with no way out. And I see that right now in the world that we're in. We're in a world that has changed, has morphed dramatically from even five years ago. We're seeing a world now that is going to be unstable like we've never seen instability before. We just equipped the Taliban with $100 billion worth of America's most sophisticated weapons. They are a sworn enemy of the United States and the free world. They're reinstituting now public amputations the Taliban has, taking women out of schools and removing them and putting them back into uh, uh, the Stone Age, basically. We see the, uh, the global issues of men, and people don't really know what to do about that. My uh, answer for them and for all of us is God's word remains faithful to us. You know, that's one of the reasons why heaven and earth, Jesus said, will pass away, but my word will not pass away. And that's why we want to endeavor to know what God's word says, to know how things operate, to know how things are, rather than the way society says that. For the last 30, 50 years, the school system in America has taught people what to think. 
not how to think. And there's a big difference, everyone, because one deals with brainwashing. The other one deals with quantitative thinking. In 1957, a Chevrolet owner's manual in your car told you how to set the valves in your engine. You say, Mike, why is that so important? Our manuals today tell us, do not drink the acid in the batteries. Do you think we've experienced what's called the dumbing down of America? I believe we've seen a dumbing down of the world. You see, when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. If you don't know truth, you can believe a lie. And again, one of the most important things for us to know is what God's truth is. Now, God's word, his truth, comes through his word. Not not through flowery sermons. Not through positive confession, not through motivational speaking, not through um, climbing to the top. But God's truth is integrated into his word. When the Hebrews would read scripture, they would read the Bible and they believed that the word of God is as alive as any one of us in this room today. Now, just because it didn't have blood and corpuscles and veins didn't mean that it wasn't alive. And that's why the Bible tells us, thy word is a light to my feet and a lamp unto my path. Why does it say that? Because the word of God is alive. Because it contains the very heart of God. The very heart of God is in his word. And when we're taught his word, that element of God becomes fused to our soul and helps us to know how to live each day. In other words, it would be nice that you could just live on flowery, pumped up sermons, but you can't. We need the entire counsel of God's word. Jesus said we live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Yet today, no one knows God's word. People say, well, what's wrong with the world today? People haven't been taught the Bible. And people have gotten conditioned to not hear God's word. And that's a real problem, everyone. And that's why we need to know what God's word says. Why is that? Because it tells us how to deal with issues in our life. Now, believe me, every one of us listening, everyone in this room, we're going to have issues in our life. And how do you deal with it? Well, I run to Ann Landers, or I run to my friends, or I listen to the songs on the radio for my inspiration. You're in trouble. If you can't be with the one you love, love the one you're with. Oh, how's that working out for you? You see, this is the whole way that we think in a world that doesn't know God. So as we look at God's word today, you're going to begin to see some amazing things again on interpersonal relationships. You heard about that? You see, if you ever noticed, we're in a society today that doesn't know how to communicate anymore. You ever go out on, with somebody on a Friday night or a Saturday night, and you'll see a, a finely dressed couple and they'll be sitting there at the table. They're not talking to each other. They're doing this on their computer, on their little handheld phone. They don't talk. I'm not so sure that he's not texting her and she's not texting him. Because we don't know how to communicate anymore. Well, the Bible tells us to communicate, forget not. God's word tells us how to be mindful of the things we need to be mindful of. And the things that aren't important 
Let him go. Let's pray. Father, as we go to your word today, we ask that your Holy Spirit would speak to us and inspire us and give us that wisdom that comes from you. And so as we look at this today, help us understand the importance of interpersonal relationships, delegating authority, what to look for in quality in people as we would choose them for position or for friends or for spouses or for business partners, God. May we glean from your word today and may you speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week or the week before, I was busy falling down the stairs uh, last uh, Sunday morning. I, I, I got sick and uh, 24-hour flu, and I was going downstairs, and I passed out going down the stairs, and I went rolling, tumbling all the way down to the bottom of the stairs, and I hit my chin right here on the stairs. I wanted to tell everybody how this is black and blue so you didn't think my wife did that to me. So I I want to make sure about that. But the point is, is that God's word tells us what we need to do. We remember as the children of Israel come out of Egypt, they got not only the attention of the Egyptians as they were destroyed in the Red Sea, but they also got the attention of other nations round about them as they're on their trek to the promised land. And... Amalekites were one of those groups of people. Now we remember that Moses went up in the mountain with Aaron and his brother-in-law and somebody named her. You've heard of a boy named Sue? Well, here's a guy named her. Anyway, it's in chapter 17. And as long as Moses' arms were uplifted, Joshua fighting the king of the Amalekites down below would win. When he'd lower his hands down, the Amalekites would begin to win. Now, I believe it's a picture type of really what we go through in life. We need people that are going to hold up our hands in troubled times. We're going to need to have people hold up our hands when we're involved in big battles. Now, sometimes it'll be somebody you know, like an Aaron, your brother-in-law, a family member. But sometimes it may be somebody like a her that we really don't know who, who her is, But Hur was very important in holding up Moses' other hand. Sometimes God will use people you know to help you. Sometimes he'll bring new people in your life to help you. But nevertheless, remember this. You're not saved to set, and you're not saved, and you're all alone. God has put you in a family to be a part and to do what he's called you to do. Now, as we look at this, we find in verse 1 of chapter 18... And Jethro, not of the Beverly Hillbillies. Jethro, by the way, a lot of people make fun of that. But you know, Jethro is actually a biblical name. And Jethro, from what we can tell, was probably in some way a relative, a distant relative of Abraham. And he knew who God was. And the Bible says he was a high priest. It doesn't say he was a false priest. It says that he knew who God was. And Moses married Zephora, his daughter, or perhaps his sister. It's unclear in the Hebrew whether it was his father-in-law or his brother-in-law. But it appears it's probably his father-in-law. Let's read. Jethro. The priest of Midian. Now, Midian is the backside of the wilderness where Moses fled 
after he'd killed the Egyptian guard, remember? And he, he went for 40 years and hid out on the backside of the wilderness till he saw the burning bush. But there, while he was in the land of Midian, he married a girl named Zephora. And Zephora was a person from that area. And it says, Moses' father-in-law, and again, this might also in the original language mean brother-in-law, but I, I lean towards the word father-in-law as we'll read on, we'll see why. Heard all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, and the Lord brought out Israel out of Egypt. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took Sephora, Moses' wife, after he had sent her back with her two sons, whom the names were Grissom, which means I have been a stranger in a foreign land. And the name of the other was Eliezer, for he said, God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. Now, this is interesting to me because a couple of things. Number one, it seems that Moses, when he was running from Pharaoh, he was on the backside of the wilderness by the name that I was a stranger in a strange land. You know, it's funny that sometimes we go through dry places in our Christian experience. It's nice when we see and we pray and God answers our prayer and we go, oh, hallelujah. We have a little breakdown hallelujah dance because when we pray, it happens so quick. But then there's those dry times we go through where we pray, nothing seems to happen. And we pray more and nothing seems to happen. And pretty soon you say, well, God, where are you? I believe this is probably a little bit of what Moses went through because of what he named his, his child. That I was a stranger in a strange land. It doesn't sound like he had the victory right there, but the name of his second son, that God gave me victory over Pharaoh. Now, something important to remember is his name didn't mean that God gave me victory over Pharaoh after all the 10 plagues of Egypt. It was that God gave me victory over Pharaoh because I was allowed to live in Midian away from Pharaoh. See, God had not raised Moses up yet, but he named his kid. God gave me victory over Pharaoh because he was allowed to be alive. When Moses killed the Egyptian guard and the people of Israel narked him off, they're the ones that said, hey, Moses killed the Egyptian guard. And they came looking for Moses. Moses realized he was found out. He packed up. He got out of, out of Egypt as quickly as he could. But God gave him victory over Pharaoh in that Pharaoh didn't kill him. Now, as we look at this, this is what he names his kids. By the way, in the ancient and even today in some cultures, people name their children after events. When I was in Tonga, I met a girl. She was probably about 30 years old. Her name was Telephone. I thought that was weird. I've heard girls being on telephones, but not a girl named Telephone. But they named their children after events. And that's when telephones came to the island. I named, I, I, I met a, a man and his name was, was Big Wind. And that's when the hurricane came. 
And they, this family came by uh, this, this place where we were staying, this newborn baby, only a couple days old. And they said, this is our daughter, Radio Atomoto. And I go, what does that mean? And she goes, Voice of the Islands. Because that's when we turn the Christian radio station on. They name their child after that event. So people in these days and all the way through the Bible, names were extremely important because a lot of times it signified a major event that was going on. And so he says, Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness where he was encamped, the mountain of God. Now he had said to Moses, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife, your two sons with her. So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law, bowed down, kissed him, and they asked each other about being well-being and went into the tent. By the way, this is significant. This is a good thing. Remember, Uh, If you know people that are going to get married, remember you marry their family. A lot of times you think, well, their family hates me, but she likes me. It'll all be okay. It's really important you marry people that your in-laws like you because in-laws can become outlaws and this is a real problem. You marry the family. And one of the things here you find that Moses had a respect for Jethro. Jethro had a respect for Moses. And I believe that's very significant in that they were able to fellowship and have communion together. Verse 8, Moses told his father-in-law all the things that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and all the things that happened to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardship that had come upon them on the way and how the Lord had delivered them. Remember, this is Moses and Israel's testimony. You have one too. Never forget that of all the things that God has done for you. I've had a lot of people say, you know, you hear oftentimes, well, share your faith, be a witness, tell people about God. Well, I don't know. I'm not a Bible theologian. I have been saved that long. I don't know all the things the Bible says. All I can tell you is this. Then share what you do know. Share what God has done for you. How he took you from being mumbled, stumbling, bumbling around in the world and giving you a destiny to serve him, be about your father's business, and have an eternal reward. See, in other words, share what you know. Share what God's given you. Something that you have that no one can ever take away from you is your personal testimony. That's what God did for you in your life, and you can share that with other people. Interestingly enough, as we read this right here, this is one of the things that Moses was showing Jethro. Now, remember this. Jethro knew about God. Jethro was considered a high priest, but he really didn't, I believe, have the depth of understanding who God is like Moses does. You're going to find that every day in your life. You're going to find people that you're going to rub elbows with at work that know maybe about God. They may have a concept of God. And by the way, how people get their concepts of God are as broad as the world is, whether it's formed by television or formed by perhaps a church they were raised in, even if it was a cult. They're going to have some concept of a supreme being. 
I believe one of the things that God uses you and me is to clarify who that supreme being is. And all the way through the Bible, you'll find that Paul, the apostle, he is a minister. He's reaching out to people. He had some time to kill. He goes up to Mars Hill. And there, there was a bunch of latte coffee drinkers. This is a mic paraphrase. Okay. But they're up on a hill, and there's a bunch of philosophizing, psychedelicizing up there on top of the hill, all talking about gods. They had all these statues to all their different gods. And they had this one to the unknown God. Paul came and he said, I see you're all very religious people. They had an idea of religion. They had all these things. But he said, you have this one to the unknown God. This is the one I want to declare to you. What his purpose was, was to clarify to them who the real God is. Remember, tomorrow, this afternoon, you're going to be around people who have a concept of God, but do not know God. They have an understanding that there's a supreme being, but they don't know what he wants. He doesn't know. And it's amazing to me how many people believe God is angry at them. You know, chucking lightning bolts and all these different things. God's not angry at the world. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. People don't understand that. That God wants to be an intricate part of their life to reach out to them, to help them in these very days and very times of trouble. Now, again, Moses used what God had done for him to communicate to Jethro, regardless of where Jethro's understanding of God was. Do you catch that? In other words, they don't have to come up to your level for you to share what God's done to them. You you share what God has done for you. Let them ask the questions. You'll see this. Then Jethro rejoiced for all the good which the Lord had done for Israel, whom he had delivered out of the hand of the Egyptians. And by the way, friends, Egypt at that time was the most powerful country in the world. And here is a God with a guy named Moses doing absolutely phenomenal things. And God delivers Egypt into Moses' hands, literally. And so he says, blessed be the Lord God who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians, out of the hand of Pharaoh, and out of delivered you from under the hand of the Egyptians. Verse uh, verse 11. Now, now notice this, verse 11, so important. If you like to underline things in your Bible, this is a good one to underline. He says, now I know that the Lord is greater than all the gods, for in the very thing in which they ha- behaved proudly, he was above them. They behaved proudly, but he was above them. He says, now I know. Do, do you see? God's demonstration of power in Moses' life was the very thing that convinced Jethro, who was a priest who knew about God, had a concept of God, but now because of Moses' testimony, 
It's bringing clarity to who the real God is. And it's really important because, again, you, the Bible says, are his poema. You are his handiwork. You are his poetry. And people see God in you. And friends, that's really important because, you know, somebody said one time, witness every day and if necessary, use words. It's because people see God in you and you help redefine who God is to them. Jethro had a concept of who God was. He was a priest. But he didn't know God like Moses did. And because of Moses' faithfulness, he was able to communicate the faithfulness of God to Jethro. And Jethro's life changed. Now I know in verse 11. Thanks for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening and tune in next time for It's Time.